Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Good morning, plant family. Happy Mother's Day to every woman out there. And I know Mother's Day is such a, um, it could be a really hard day for some people. So I am so sensitive to that on so many levels. So whether you are a biological mother, an adoptive mother, a foster mother, and a grandmother, an aunt, a niece, a friend, a mentor, today we celebrate you. So happy Mother's Day to all the women here today. This morning, we are going to continue our series in James, Faith Under Pressure. Remember, we had the pressure cooker the first week um, that we kind of introduced, and we all kind of could laugh. James is my favorite book. It has always been my favorite book. I joked in the first service. I think when I was growing up, I liked James because it was short, and it had a lot of detail, right? So boom, in and out. But I have come to love James. It has challenged me for years and years, and um, it's so awesome that I get to share with you, particularly James 3 this morning. So before we get into our series on, um, on the specifically chapter three we're focusing on today, I want to give you a little anatomy lesson. Those of you who know me know I love anatomy, right? I'm a nurse. I love how all things work. I love to figure out kind of everything in the human body um, to a fault. If you ask anyone in my family, they're like, oh my goodness, it's just a runny nose. It doesn't mean it's boom, 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 boom. So I love the body. We're going to look at our tongue this morning. So everyone has a tongue. Tongues are about three to four inches long. It goes all the way back from your epiglottis and it goes out to right before your teeth. It should stop at your teeth. Men have a longer tongue than women, generally speaking. Um, it is a very flexible piece of tissue, let's call it, right? There is eight muscles in our tongue. Eight muscles, like go figure, who would have ever thought that? The tongue aids in chewing, Speaking, anyone who's a speech pathologist knows that you cannot have proper speech if you're a child without your tongue moving properly. Um, it gives you, like I said, speech, chewing it aids in. All of these things that we do automatically, our tongue is used for. Our tongue has approximately 2,000 to 10,000 taste buds. I definitely don't have 10,000 taste buds. It's probably all the cleaning I've done in my life. It's like decreased like all of everything. Um, but if you have a lot of taste buds, you're like a super taster is what they say. And you can like be on like a food show and make lots of money. So if you really have a strong taste, either sour or bitter or salty or sweet, there you go. There's your new job. If not, just stick to your day job. And of course, it would be appropriate during a pandemic <laughs> that if you don't have your taste right now, just say, keep your mask on, keep six feet away from those around you, please leave the building and go get a COVID test because you have COVID. So the tongue, right? Now, when you go to the doctor, the doctor says, ah, and they look at your mouth and you see the picture and they're looking at your palate and your tonsils and your throat and your teeth, but they're also looking at your tongue. If your tongue is pink, it means you're healthy. I know everyone is going to go home and look in the mirror and stick out their tongue and make sure they're healthy, right? Um, there's a lot of other things that you can see from your tongue, if it's red, if it's cracked, if it's blistered. If anyone has ever had a toddler who has had cocksockey, you see one blister on that tongue and you start crying because you know it is going to be a terrible week with your child. They are going to be so miserable. The tongue 
this tiny little thing in our body speaks volumes to our health. And that's the aspect that we're going to look at this morning in James. Our tongue, although tiny in comparison, so our tongue with our words speaks volumes about what's inside. Our tongue can be tremendous good or it could bring tremendous evil. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to use my tongue this morning. God, I ask you to speak through me that the words will flow out of my mouth that you want me to speak to this service this morning. Father God, you have given us all a morning to celebrate women in our life who have spoke into our lives. I just thank you for that opportunity to be here and celebrate with them. And it's in your name we pray, amen. If you open your Bibles with me, if not, it's on the screen behind me to James chapter 3. We are going to look at first, the first verse first. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. So James begins this passage talking about those who teach God's word, right? So you're probably thinking, okay, I'm not Rob. I'm not Jeremy, I'm not Mitch, I'm not Andrew, maybe even you, Sue, when you like seasonally preach, I'm not you. No, anybody who speaks God's word in someone's life. Have you taught Sunday school, even with those little ones? Have you held a baby in nursery? Have you spoke Bible verses over them and taught them John 3:16? Have you been a youth leader? Have you led an MC or a small group? Any place that you are speaking God over people, you are a teacher of God's word. And this is how James starts us, right? He's challenging us right there. You are speaking into people's lives. Use caution, he says. Use caution when you are speaking into the people's lives. The next slide that's going to be behind me is a picture of, of my tribe, right? So our kids. Um, I love that picture. I, <laughs> every time I look at it, it's perfectly everyone's personality um, all in one picture. So we have our four children plus our bonus son-in-law, Pedro. And when I look at that picture, when I think of, of speaking into people's lives, I can't help but think of our own children. How many of you here have spoken into their lives? And I know when you reach out to them, because <laughs> a lot of times I'll get a text, yo, mom, yo, right? Suddenly, I ever see that meme that says you went from mama to mommy to ma to bro? Like, I get bro. I'm like, I'm not a bro. But yo, bro, wh whose number is this? And I always laugh because I know that there is someone from this church reaching out to a child who's away to encourage them, to speak life into them, to check on them, to see how they're doing. You've gone to their games. You've encouraged them. You've cheered loud as they've participated in sports. You've spoken to them. You've answered tough questions that they've had about stuff that they probably didn't even talk to us about. The newest thing is premarital counseling, right? You really entrust your children with people when you're mentoring them into what's next for their future, for their forever. You see... When you speak into someone's life, and I take it personally when I look at my, my four plus one children, when you speak into someone's life, you have the ability to steer them in the ways of Jesus. That is not an easy task, is it? Teaching God's word can greatly influence someone for the good or for the bad, let's be honest. Our words can either lead someone closer to Jesus or actually pull them away from Jesus. 
I had a youth pastor growing up. His name was Ned, Ned Suffren. Ned was like seven feet four, I think. He was not, his legs came up to here. So maybe it just seemed that he was taller, but he was really tall and thin, very tall and thin. You know, he was crazy. He was every typical youth pastor that you could say, kind of like loony, screaming all the time. So many fun memories. He was there when I was in junior high and then through, I think it was all of senior high. Um, His words could have really given me life-giving words or derailed me. He was a very big influence in my life in those informative years when I was vulnerable, right? Those, those middle school and teenage years, we are so vulnerable. And we have so many words around us that are being spoken. I mean, trust me, your children have words being spoken over them in school that you have no idea they don't tell you. I see it being in the school. So this youth pastor, Ned, Fortunately, he drove me in the right direction. He gave me sound biblical teaching. He showed me a Jesus who was very tangible, right? Like, a, like Jesus was cool. Like he made him cool to me. I'll never forget he'd be at, like, at games. He was at a freshman basketball game once. No joke. He would stand up. We were losing by like 20. He would stand up cheering. No one was cheering. It was a terrible game. We were getting killed. He'd be cheering my name and my number, um, and I was mortified, but I do remember that because he was encouraging me when I felt like a complete failure, to be very honest with you. He taught me how to love people who persecuted me, you know, during those years in high school when you feel like the world's against you and people are talking about you, etc. He showed me how to love people who really seemed unlovable to me at the time, to be honest with you. He answered my tough questions. I grew up in a Christian home, but there were some questions. I grew up to a single mom. My dad died when I was a baby. I never had a male figure. I had a grandfather and uncles in my life, but never a father figure there. He answered questions that I would have wanted to ask my father, but didn't have. You see, Ned spoke life into me. He gave me that encouragement. And I wish I could stand here today and say to you, that was all I've had in my life. Encouraging words. Everyone's been so encouraging. I I could just close my book and I could go home, right? But it has not been that way. It has not been that way. You know, as I was processing times that that I've been told spoken words over me or things that have really derailed me, I thought of a couple situations. I first thought of my own children, right? And you know, as a mom, when someone hurts your kids, you get like, all of a sudden you puff up. I ever I was thinking like those like turkeys that are like by our house and like when they feel threatened, they like puff up and they get big. Like as a mom, you get that like you puff up when someone's hurting your babies. No matter how old they are, they are still your babies. And I can remember a time where someone spoke something over one of our children and I'm not sure that it was really meant to hurt them, but it hurt that child. And I remember at a family dinner sitting there talking through it and it took many family dinners to talk through this Um, to kind of get out of them why they were so hurt by these words that were spoken over them. And to be honest with you, it took us weeks, as probably longer, months as parents to take those spoken words that were not even meant to harm them, but to get them back to see their value and who Jesus is in their life. Right? Like, we had to really work hard affirming them. And honestly, as parents, you can affirm your kids all you want. Who can, like, amen this to me? But they'll be like, you're my mom. You're supposed to affirm me. It's true. Words spoken by others can be very derailing. Now, personally, bring a story to me personally. (laughs) 
Recently, there has been, okay, first of all, being a school nurse during a pandemic, I don't recommend it. If you're thinking of going into it, don't. Run the other way and leave. I have been put into a situation that I don't want to be. I will be completely honest with you. I have been having to make decisions that I don't want to have to make. I've been put in a leadership role that I didn't want. I have had to deal with conflict every day, multiple times a day that I didn't want to deal with. It has not been fun particularly the last few weeks, and it seems kind of ironic as cases are lowering and things are opening up more, that there's been more drama, let's call it. So there has been a private Facebook group created um, that bashes the administration and nurse, in particularly the middle school in Mawa. Um, this Facebook page I am not a part of. I was not asked to be a friend of the group, go figure. But um, I, was, uh, I have an inside source, so someone who screenshots the conversations and sends them to me. And to be honest with you, one day, it, it was definitely bashing administration, but one day it really took a turn and started really focusing just on the nurse. And everyone knows who the nurse is in the building because there's one of us, right? So, and really that conversation went down a spiral that could not get out. I could not believe the things that were being said about me. And I will tell you, they were not truth, but they were being spoken and there was lies being said because you know how one thing start going and they just keep going? There was untruths and it hurt. My friend who was screenshotting me the conversation <laughs> says, do you want to see today's post? I'm like, oh, I don't know. And I did, but I shouldn't have because every day there was something new. It went as far as I was in an HSO meeting, a Zoom HSO meeting, which is like a PTO meeting, right? They call it homeschool organization. And a mom on there was writing a Facebook post about me while I was on the meeting with her. It was happening simultaneously. And she sent her child in to check what I would do when her child came in during that meeting. I mean, this is about as low as it can get. And honestly, that kind of cut me. I was affirmed by my principal, my administration, the superintendent. You have done nothing wrong. Just go with it. This is, there's always going to be people when you're in leadership, always people. And I know that in my head. But you know what? Those words derailed me. Those words were not life-giving. No way. They were life-destroying. And even though I was told that it was false, I started to believe what was being said. Right? I started to question my motives. I started to question what am I doing? And, and you know, it, honestly, trying to take care of someone's child who's bashing you is a difficult task. <laughs> I will be honest with you. I have to consciously make an effort when the children of these parents, these trolls, I'll call them, who come in and are hurting me and t putting my name to shame out in social media. I have to make a conscious effort to love their children. Their words derailed me. It caused me pain. I was in a fog for a couple weeks, um, you know, really just not wanting to go to work. And I really said, this is the cause of my pain. This is why I don't want to go to work because I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm over it. I'm over the people. I'm over the pandemic. I'm over it all. And honestly, what was it over? Nothing. Snack. <laughs> who got to eat snack in my office and who didn't? I mean, really. It, it became such a thing but that little minute thing caused such pain in my soul. See, it was dealing with something deeper than just what they were saying. So now when we go on in James, verse 2 of chapter 3, it says, Indeed, we all make mistakes. 
For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every way. So now, we're, we're now the teachers, right, now we go on to all of us. So it's very clear, James says, we all make mistakes. And then this bold statement, right, it's kind of like hidden there. If we could control our tongue, we'd be perfect. The word's perfect used. If we could control our tongue, we would be perfect. All right, show of hands here. How many of you had ever said something that you wish you could take back? The first service was like 100%. Everyone raised their hand. They were all like this. I know I have for sure. Second question. About how many of you have ever said something either on purpose, like an accident, <laughs> to hurt somebody? So I definitely, sadly, have to admit that I have done that. I have said things to people, particularly, right, it's always the ones you love that get it, my husband and my children. I have said things to them to purposely hurt them. Maybe not purposely hurt them, purposely try to change their thinking. But in the process of doing that, I've hurt them. I've caused them tremendous pain. I've had to ask for forgiveness many, many times, honestly, more times than I really want to even admit this morning, but I've had to continuously ask for forgiveness, and I'm not always good at it. You can even ask Rob. I'm not always good at humbling myself and saying, oh, I was wrong, but, 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 you did this. That's why, right? But I've had to do that. Because, you know, when you know someone so well, the people that you live with, right, your people, my four children that I showed, my, my son-in-law, my husband, when you know people, you know exactly what is going to get their goat, right? Is that a way of saying it? Like, you know, you know where to stick it, right? You know how to get them to, you know what to say to get them to change their thinking, or at least try to, right? But what I have learned, and I'm sure many of you have learned, that no, it doesn't work like that, right? Those words are not life-giving. They are actually derailing, and they're hurting the relationship more than anything. You see, if one minute we're sitting in church and we're worshiping and we're giving life to people, but then in the next minute, we're passively, aggressively hurting those we love. There is a bigger issue here, right? This is not anymore about this eight-muscle, flexible tongue. This is about our heart. I've said a million times to my children growing up, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Be nice to your sister. Out of your heart, your mouth speaks. Becky, be nice. Oh, see, I have one daughter, so I can use her name. And she's not here. Becky... Speak life-giving words to your brothers. I've said that a million times because I feel like when you teach them at that young age, right, that words are so important. You can't just say something and then say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's already caused the damage. The Bible has many verses about our tongues and our heart condition. Um, I'm going to read a couple of them right now. Luke 6, 45. I know Rob touched on this last week. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue can bring life, or excuse me, can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Okay, now, this is a hard one. Those who love to talk, I'm pretty sure James was not being like the blabbermouse who just liked to talk, right? I'm pretty sure he's talking about gossip. Now, 
I'm going to say something. Please don't create a private Facebook group bashing what I'm about to say. But generally speaking, women I have seen struggle with gossip. <gasps> they do. I'm sorry. They do. I work with a bunch of women. We have a high percentage of women. You can't walk into any area of that office without hearing gossiping about someone else. Gossip is such a dangerous thing. Gossip is really building ourselves up to put someone else down. That's what it is, right? Let's call it what it is. We're lifting ourselves up and making someone else feel bad. Does that make you feel good? I mean, really, when you think about it, is that really making you feel good to put someone else down? It's a real reflection of our character. And I think that's really something that has shown me throughout this whole study is that when we say words, it is a reflection of what's inside. Because see, when we're saved, when we know we have Christ as our Savior, everything that flows out of our mouth is supposed to be life-giving, right? He has transformed us. We are supposed to be life-giving words to those around us. And this concept really has hit home a couple times. Um, I can remember one of our stu students, one of our kids, I'm like in student mode, one of our kids struggling with um, hypocrisy in the church. You know, as a teenager where they really start to see people and how they act in different avenues, and they'd say, I see them acting one way at church and one way at this place. And it was a real hard thing, and we talked about it over, yes, family dinner, once again, family dinner is an important aspect of growing up. And we would talk about it, and as we process it, we really got to see the hypocrisy came to that conclusion from the gossip that they were seeing. They were seeing people who were acting one way, but then talking about other people. And this really was destructive for their journey of faith. And once again, we had to talk through and process how, you know, we all sin, right? We all make those mistakes. We all use our words poorly at times. But we really had to process with our children what that looked like. Gossip. It is a deadly, deadly, deadly feature. You see, our words, when we're, when we're speaking, right, you can be having a conversation with one person and think it's just the two of you talking about something, but people around you are listening, right? After the first service, someone came up to me and talked to me and said, actually, I see men gossip all the time. I said, okay, you said it, you're a man, you said it. But gossip might start out innocent, right, where you're just talking about something, but people around you are seeing it. And I've noticed that at work. I'll be at work and gossip starting, but there's five or six people coming in and kind of listening, right? And the seed that's being planted in the people listening, we don't know. But we could be either causing tremendous pain and hurt for these people. I read a statistic that said we spend a fifth of our life talking. I personally think I spend a lot more time talking. Um, you can ask my family, my husband. It's a joke in our family that I like my, I get alive and want to start talking at like midnight. So, um, but I love to talk. But I really thought about that. If I'm spending, say, a fifth of my life talking, are those words life-giving? Am I giving life to people when I'm using those words? Like it really makes you start to think and ponder on every word that you speak to people. James goes on to give us some tangible examples of our tongue. 
verses three through six back in James. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in his mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set a whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. The bit. So James talks about the bit. Those of you who know anything about horses, the bit is the metal piece in the mouth. It's tiny. It's probably like the size of like our tongue, that four-inch length. But that bit can steer, can direct a 2,000-pound horse, that tiny little thing. Now, when, we, when I was talking about this with Rob, I was like, I've ridden a horse without a bit. And he's like, no, you haven't. I'm like, oh, that's right. It was without a saddle. That's right. So I thought I was like, like this master you know, trainer. But you need a bit. Without a bit, it is a wild horse that there is no control of. You cannot control a horse riding it without a bit. The next example he gives us is the rudder. So the rudder is the part of the ship that's in the front, right? So when you look at this picture, it's right in that front area over there. That is a picture of the Titanic. The rudder had no, <laughs> no cause and effect of why the Titanic was sunken, just letting you know that. I looked into that before I put that picture up. So the Titanic was 52,310 tons. The rudder was only 100 tons. So anyone who knows math or wants the statistic of that, it is 0.0019% of the ship was controlled by that small rudder. Fire. So 2020, we have the year of the pandemic, right? The beginning of this pandemic. And California saw the worst year yet of their forest fires. It was actually a record-breaking year for fires in California. There were, listen to these numbers, there was 9,639 fires that burned. There was 4,397,809 acres that were ruined. That is greater than 4% of the forest of California was destroyed by fire in 2020. And do you know how these fires started? Anyone know? Gender reveal. I actually thought it was that. I looked it up, but it's not. <laughs> I actually heard that too. Like someone did one of those gender reveals and popped something and then started. No, it was from a storm. There was a lightning storm, not even rain. You know how like when it, in the summer when it's hot, you get like those little lightning kind of things in the air. It hit a tree, made a spark, and here we have all these acres ruined from that. You see, the thing about fire is in the first service we had Pammy Malone, who was a, a fire um, Firewoman, firewoman. And she told, she was talking about fire. So you can extinguish fire, right? Eventually the fire will not have enough air to, to continue and you can extinguish it, but the damage is done. And I think that's the key part. Have you ever seen a house that has burned down? You look at that house, it is no longer a house, right? Everything in it is destroyed, it's black. The fire has stopped, but the damage is done and you cannot reverse it. Yeah, you can build a new house, but that house is destroyed. And James uses that example with our words. The tongue is like fire. It's destructive. It destroys. You can't take it back. Once you say it, you can't take it back. 
And the real interesting part is James talks about the spoken word, right? So we're reading our Bible and he's talking about all these things we say. But ah, 2021, we have so many other ways of communicating with people, correct? There are, I mean, there's more than I could even probably know. Let's talk about social media. I gave my example of social media, how it was disruptive. For some reason, social media gives us this platform that we can just say whatever we want, right? Because you're kind of speaking to everybody but nobody at the same time. And I've seen that more during this past year during the pandemic than ever, that people are just having this, this um, empowerment or entitlement just to say what they want on social media and not caring what people might think. You also see it in text messaging, right? I am guilty of this. I will say this. A text messenger is much easier to send than a phone call, right? Rob will always say to me, just call them. I'm like, Rob, when a woman calls another woman, it's not five minutes. It's 25 minutes, always, minimum, right? But a text message, you can go back and forth and it's, it's done, the conversation. But the problem with text messages is, number one, right, you can't see the reaction, and sometimes, like, if you're me, you're, like, a really excitable text messenger, and you put, like, explanation points. And Rob will sometimes call me and say, why did you put an explanation point? Are you upset? I'm like, no, that's, like, my happy. That's, like, yes, yes, explanation. But he thinks that I'm upset, right? So we're not getting the full picture of what we're saying through a text message. A phone call is so much easier to talk to somebody in the sense that you can hear the silence, Right? You can hear the, the sigh or the deep breath when you say something. Text messaging is easier. Or how about email, right? Email is the same thing. I will be honest with you, I love to email parents instead of calling. Same concept. It's quicker, it's better, they answer better. Email, reply. Make sure you don't hit reply all when you're not supposed to. That's all I can say. Guilty of that too. But very easy to do. And during this recent problem that I had talked about in the school, I got an email during this time. And uh, this was a long email. It was on the weekend. I was irate. It was not good. Everything written in the email was not really directed at me. It was directed at the whole situation. Once again, I took it personal, and I knew that this was going to be seen probably on social media, my response, <laughs> to be honest with you. It was going to be screenshotted and put on this Facebook group. So I started typing and typing and typing, and then I would like delete, then I would like type, and then I would like highlight and delete, and I kept it there, and it sat in the docket of my drafts for multiple hours that day. And it sat there, and I'd go back and look at it and read it, and then it sat there. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, like he does ever so gently, reminded me of James, and especially that I was gonna be preaching on the tongue, what are you doing? What are you doing? Is this life-giving or are you trying to prove your point? Like, why are you trying to prove your point? What are you doing? And that was, I kid you not, the words that were spoken over me. And at that moment, I felt so embarrassed of my behavior, of the way that I was trying to prove myself and had to do it in this aggressive way because it was enough is enough. You hurt me. I deserve the right to do that. No, that's not what scripture tells us. I don't deserve the right to hurt another person, no matter what they have done to me. So you know what I did? I deleted the email. I wrote, thank you. Actually, I think I wrote, thank you for your, thank you for your response or something like that. Have a great day. And I got back an email. That's all you got for me? I said, 
thank you, have a great day. And I kept writing that until it finished, until it, the fire was put out. Basically, that's what happened. You see, the Holy Spirit convicted me because I couldn't have done that on my own. I could not have deleted that email on my own. I was angry. I was upset. I was irate. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Sue, what are you doing? Delete the email. Give life. Show Christ to this individual. During the pandemic, I have seen that I, I do have a platform to speak to people, right? People want to know answers. I know a lot about this virus. I contact Trace all the time. I'm telling people about it. I'm telling them the statistics. I contact Trace in my sleep. I wake up during the middle of the night thinking if I did the right decision. I have a platform. How am I going to use it? Am I going to use it to glorify God or am I going to use it to point people and my finger at them and say, you're doing it wrong. Listen to me and this wouldn't have happened. Right? Because that's what I want to say. But I have to listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to me saying, life-giving words, not destructive words. You may not be able to hear the words that are spoken by somebody when it's on social media or text or email. But I guarantee you those words are just as destructive, if not more. Because it's there. It's a reminder, right? You can delete a, a Facebook post. You definitely can. But by the time you delete it, I guarantee you 500 people saw it. Once a word is spoken, it's there. And the tension comes and there's more divide and the gossip starts and the slander and the lying. I do not like lying. I've always said lying is where you lose me to my kids. Just tell the truth. But the lies start, and then they get bigger and bigger. And then all of a sudden, like that telephone thing when you were little, right, that someone said something, and by the end it's something different. And we see that with our words on technology. The devil will use our words to steer people away from Jesus. There is no doubt to cause destructive behaviors. More churches have been destroyed, and I don't have a statistic on this, but I know that there have been many churches destroyed by words spoken. Whether they're words spoken to someone um, by accident or on purpose, when we do that, we have given the devil the foothold, and he has entered into that. I truly believe that when we say words that are not life-giving, to people in our lives that the devil has won. He has won that battle. Our tongue has this tremendous power. It's, it's referred to as hell to lead someone to hell and death. It's destructive. Verse 7 and 8. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. The tongue, it's tiny, but it's powerful. It can give life or death. So here's the challenge, right? It's not just our tongue, right? We can, Rob talked about last week, you can bite your tongue, zip your lips, but it's the heart, right? It's what's inside. So if you desire to be a person who gives life-giving words to someone's God-given talent, you, you praise them, you show them that, the life that God has created for them, then that's what's going to flow out of your mouth. But if you're 
thinking of yourself, don't want them to succeed, self-centered, then that's going to flow out of your mouth. Verses 9 through 12 go on to say, Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Duh! A tree will produce what it's supposed to produce. An apple tree will only give you apples, not pears. Don't go to an apple tree trying to pick pears. A grapevine will give you grapes, not figs, grapes. What we produce in our heart is what's going to flow out of our mouths. So bringing it back to today, right? Today is Mother's Day. Let's reflect on a couple things. Do the words that come out of my mouth reflect my heart to those who God's put in my life? Do I speak truth in love because I care about the people God's put in my life, my children, my group members, the, the young woman I mentor, and I want them to live their life walking with Jesus? Do I encourage and challenge my kids or those in my life when they disagree with me and aren't doing things my way. All right, right there is where you get me. That has been a real struggle for me as my children have gotten older. You raise your children a certain way, and we know that they're not supposed to be little robots, but it would be a lot easier, right? And they have their own um, aspirations and things that they, they want to pursue, and, and it might not be what you agree with. Anyone, can I get an amen from older children? Amen. And it is sometimes extremely hard to zip it, right? To not say anything. And I really have noticed that what I say when someone disagrees with me, what, what the words that speak is really the condition of my heart, right? So when they're disagreeing with me, I have to like, Jesus, please help me to speak life into them and not rip them apart right now because that's all I want to do. So our words when we're angry are very critical to the people around us. So the challenge is high, right? As women, as moms, as grandmothers, aunts, nieces, mentors, friends. So what do we do? What do we do to control this tongue? Now we've talked about how dangerous it is and we know we have to use it to give life-giving words but we also know it's so destructive. So what do we do? Number one, we must ask God to empower us through the Holy Spirit to choose our words properly. There is no way humanly possible, James tells us that, no way you're gonna do it on your own, honey. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to transform your words that come out of your mouth. Number two, we must recognize our words have the ability to build someone up or tear them down. You see, even if you think what you're saying is not destructive to somebody, it might be totally different for them and it might be destructive for them. And that's what I've really learned in my personal life is that there's a lot of times I'm like, what is the big deal? Like, seriously, get over it, you know? But for them, for some reason, it's destructive for them. So we need to recognize that. Number three, just as in James chapter one that Jeremy spoke about, Rob touched on last week, 
we must be better listeners to speak wiser. So for those of us who like to talk, right, we talked about women and talking. It is sometimes hard to listen. I am very guilty of that. I want to fix. All day long I'm fixing and putting out fires. I want to fix my children. And when they start talking and they seem upset, okay, i got to make it better. So what can I do? They don't want that. I need to be a better listener so the words that come out of my mouth are words breathed from Jesus. Number four, confess to God and to those who have wronged you. First and foremost, when I do something wrong, number one, I need to ask for forgiveness from my heavenly father. First and foremost, that is always the first thing that we should be doing. But second, the people that we've wronged. It is sometimes hard when you feel like you were not treated justly to say you're sorry. But I guarantee you that you will have a heart transformation when you speak those words of, I am sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I wronged you. Scripture tells us we've been given a transformed mind, the mind of Christ and a transformed heart. So if we're using this mind and this transformed heart, really everything that flows out of us should be that of Jesus and life-giving to those around us. There really should be no questions. And I think that's so important as we go through our days to think, I have been given the mind of Christ and a transformed heart. I want to give that to every person I touch in a day. I don't want a day to go by that someone has not been given the opportunity to see Jesus Christ through me. Because it might be the only time they see Jesus in their life is the words that I am speaking over them. Even the student whose mother is bashing me on social media, I want to give her life-giving words when she comes in to see me. I found a story um, for our closing today that I want to read to you. It's an emotional story. I've read it so many times that I, I think I could get through it. But it is um, impactful about the words. It's about a man named Johnny. Johnny attended a business training that was given to 3,000 frontline workers at grocery stores and retail outlets across the country. They talked about the power of words and how what you say really does make a difference in people's lives. About a month later, Barbara, Barbara's the woman who ran this conference, said she got a call from a guy named Johnny who was at the training. Johnny told her, I'm 19 years old and I have Down syndrome. I work as a bagger at a grocery store. I went back to the store and I didn't know how to apply your statements. I liked your talk, but I didn't know what to do with it. I went home and talked with my dad and got an idea. My dad and I sat down at the computer and every day we come up with a statement that is affirming of people that's encouraging. If I can't find one in, if I can't find one in a little book, I'll make it up, Johnny said. We'll type up six different times in the computer I'll print off 50 sheets and cut them all out. So here he has 300 quotes. Then every night Johnny signs each of them personally. Then the next day at the grocery store, he puts his stack right next to where he bags the groceries. He gets everyone's bags, uh, groceries bagged. And in the last bag, he puts his quote of the day, the encouraging word. He makes sure he looks them in the eye and says, I put something very special in your bag. I hope it will brighten your day. He'll then take it out, them out to the car, help them load up their groceries. Johnny does this every single day. 
Barbara said about after a month, she got a phone call from the manager at the grocery store. He said, Barbara, I can't believe it. Something really amazing is beginning to happen. I was walking around the store and I noticed we had so many checkers open. But everyone was on Johnny's line. It's a true story. He said, I would tell them over the intercom that there are other lines open, that you can move over. There's no wait. We would walk down, up and down the aisles, tell people. They would look at us and say, no, no thanks. We'll wait for Johnny's encouraging word for the day. One woman came back and grabbed the supervisor. She said, I used to come to the grocery store only once a week or once every other week. Now I come almost every day. I buy something just to get Johnny's encouraging word for that day. About a month later, the store manager called Barbara and said, it's changing our entire culture of our store. Even in the floral department, when a flower was broken, they used to just throw it away. Now they walk out into the lines on their own initiative and pin it into an elderly woman or a young girl just to brighten their day. <sighs> right? I want to be like Johnny. I want to be able to give life-giving words to everybody in my life. But I will tell you something, plant family, this is not an easy task. You have to make a conscious effort every day to speak life into people. People hurt you, people wrong you. The instinct is not to give those life-giving words. In closing, our words, are they life-giving? Or are they life-destructing? Jesus, thank you for the opportunity today to be a woman, to be able to, the strong influence that we have in so many lives. I pray over each woman in this building, each one in our family, our plant family, each woman in the online community that will be watching this morning, that you will speak through them. Holy Spirit, you will be their words to give life-encouraging words to the people in their life. That you will convict us when we don't. Jesus, I thank you for the great opportunity that you have positioned us in. May our words give life. May our words be Jesus to everyone around us. Your precious name we pray. Amen. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.